Entrepreneurs Will Save the World. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. My guest today is Rob Angel. Rob is the creator of Pictionary and author of Game Changer, the story of Pictionary and how I turned a simple idea into the best-selling board game in the world. Rob is an entrepreneur, explorer, investor, philanthropist, and sought-after speaker on a mission to help others create their own success and best life by taking their first small step. Rob Angel and Robert talk about the story of the creative process of creating the iconic board game Pictionary. He also shares his personal journey of growth and success. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just looking forward to a great conversation and uh, what I can learn from you. Me too. <laughs> awesome. So obviously your uh, claim to fame is a Pictionary creator. Now you're an entrepreneur, but also an adventurer. So I want to start with adventure. <laughs> Tell me a little <laughs> yeah. bit about that side. Well, you know, like they say, it's not what you do with your money and your time. It's, or excuse me, not what you, you know, making money is no big deal. It's what you do with it that's important. Uh, and so for me, that's just allowed me the freedom, uh, as you say, to be an adventure. I mean, I travel, I run with the bulls, I go to Pam, I go to uh, Burning Man, but it's all just part of the fabric of life, right? It's nothing better, different than anybody else. But I enjoy uh, experiencing things for the first time, and I enjoy experiencing things um, that just bring me kind of joy, but just bring me a little bit of tension as well, right? Oh, Doing I, like the same thing, right? I don't I don't mind frightening myself. People say, Oh, I'm afraid to be frightened. No, to me, that's the best part of this whole deal. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's let's chat about this uh 24-year-old young man who comes up with this idea. Okay. And what what gave you the, the drive to to take that idea to fruition? Well, but I want to back up a little bit. All right. On that. Um so I know how I invented it, but then I want to talk about, shall we say, why I invented it. Sure. Okay. So when I was a kid, I was, you know, 15, 16, 17, and I saw my dad, I used to work for him and he was an executive. He worked for this big steel company and he was behind his big desk and people would come to him and I thought, oh my goodness, I want to be my dad. I want to do that. So he didn't give me the dream, but that was my dream based on his dream. And so I thought, this is great. I went to college and I'm going to be an executive and I knew my path. And he gets fired halfway through my sophomore year. Now I'm going to wait a minute. And believe me, it was more dramatic than I'm telling you right now. But it oh, was. I, I understand. We're talking about like 1982-ish. Oh, we're talking like 77. Okay. The, my dad was a steel worker, so. Right. It revolutionized our life when when his job went away, too. Exactly. And so now I'm sitting here going, oh, wait a minute. That was his dream, not mine. I kind of hijacked it. And now I go, OK, I'm going to try another dream. So I put myself through college. I didn't know what it was going to be. And I, I decided I needed to finish college. I put myself through school. No big deal. A lot of people do that. But then my mom sold real estate. So now I'm going, no, wait a minute. I'm going to sell real estate now because that's what my mom did. So instead of now strike two. I still haven't found my own dream. And so I sucked at real estate. I mean, I'm not talking it was bad. I was terrible. I wasn't into it. I didn't have the motivation. It wasn't my dream. It wasn't my desire. And it showed. Right? If you're not into something, if you're not really committed, or at least committed to exploring, right? You don't have to commit right away. But it's the commitment to exploring that uh, excited me. Well, I sucked. Strike two. Now I go, okay. Now I'm all of 22 years old and I'm thinking, I got to find my own passion, my own dream, my own whatever. 
And I still don't know what it was, but I was open, right? I talk about this all the time. I, I was going to embrace whatever came my way, follow the path, and if wherever it led me, it would lead me, right? We all tend to have this idea that we have to find our passion right away. We have this notion. Everybody tells you, follow your passion. Well, they don't tell you how to find your passion, for goodness sakes. So for me, it was just waiting for that moment, but I was open and ready. And that's the setup to 22 years old, graduated from college, moved in with three buddies. And one of them started sketching words out of the dictionary to us. We're having a ball, right? And I'm realizing at this moment at 22, now, wait a minute, this is fun. That's all it was. It wasn't a business. It's just fun. Uh, and so I, at that moment, uh, I decided that I was going to start working on this game a little bit. I wasn't going to go all in. I wasn't going to start a business, but I had to get started. But it was basically scaling the fun of what we were doing, right? That's all it was. So if you have these great ideas, doesn't mean you have to just all of a sudden drop everything and run for it. One step at a time, find the passion and it will find you. Nice. So you didn't quit the waiter job that day. You still kept <laughs> kept your job. I did quit. I did. I still waited tables for, geez, another five years almost, right through the uh, launch of Pictionary. Uh, and after we launched, I was still waiting tables. I mean, you know, I wasn't making any money, the game, so I had to eat. I enjoyed eating. I love the I love the launch picture in the restaurant. Um, first of all, you look twelve, and I know, right? And then and then the upside down box. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever seen this picture, it's in my book, Game Changer. We had two boxes, and we're promoting them, and we're getting our big picture. Well, one of the boxes was upside down. So I had a little I had a little to learn about uh, marketing and promotion. Yeah. Well, don't we all still? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, everything changes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, faster and faster. Faster and faster. So let's talk about making a, a game in your living room and, and actually producing the first thousand thousand editions, basically thousand copies of it your, yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was our, fir our first task uh, was to physically put together a thousand games. That was our first run. We were We figured that would be our test market. And back then, we're talking 1982, there was no, excuse me, 84, there was no internet. So we needed to find components for this game. We needed, needed boxes and printing and paper and pencils. And we literally went through the yellow pages, made phone calls, right? We didn't push a button. We had a hello. My name is Rob Angel, and I've got this idea for a game, and I need some printing. So we literally made these calls and had nine different companies supplying parts and printing and packaging, all shipped to my apartment. And we physically put together the first thousand games by hand. And as I say, my fingerprints are literally almost first thousand games. And I got to tell you, though, it was a blast because it wasn't really thinking about anything other than the task at hand. We we're physically getting something done. So had an absolute blast doing that. So we weren't thinking too far ahead. We weren't thinking about the next project. We weren't thinking about how we're going to market sell. In this moment, we were just producing the game and that what kept us focused and that actually was a lot of fun for me well and i i like the idea of of just figuring it out right obviously it's probably easier now to figure it out right how can i print a deck of cards boom internet boom google tells you how can i do you know get a box and get the label on it and and all of those things but but figuring it out in in 1984 that that had to be that had to take a little bit of drive a little bit of uh, gumption <laughs> A little bit of whatever you want to call it these days, resiliency <laughs> and following your passion and, you know, overcoming obstacles. I mean, we were doing all of that. We didn't know how to go around them. So we had to go through them as we all do. I mean, we're really, were we that different than anybody in their business now? No. I mean, sure. nothing's, right, nothing's changed. My, my story, while it turned out great, is no different than anybody else's right now. There's still challenges, physical, mental, spiritual uh, that you have to go through, that we all have to go through, that, you know, it makes us stronger, as they say. It makes us more resilient. It makes us, it made me love the process even more. Oh, love that. Being able to focus on the journey is is so valuable, right? And 
if you're not enjoying the journey, you're on the wrong bus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to steal that if you're not. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, and there's going to be bits and pieces of it that aren't fabulous. I mean, nobody gets out unscathed. There's, you know, our, our big moment was during the production, we were doing a thousand games, right? And we had 500 cards per game. So that's half a million game cards. When we sent them out to the printer, he said, oh, yeah, no problem. I can do this, and it's not a problem, and and we'll get it done. Uh, but we'd already set the invitations out for the launch party. Nine days before the launch, he calls us up and says he can't do it. This is supposed, They're supposed to be collated and sorted into packs of 500, and we're just going to drop them into the game. I go, holy crap, we got we got to do this ourselves. And I was pissed. I mean, this was one of those moments where – I'd like to think I'm enlightened back then. No, I was just flat out pissed, right? I didn't think we could get it done. I, I lost my shit. Right? <laughs> I, you know, there's no, anyway, I lost my shit. Did I say that already? Anyway. <laughs> so, so, but we had to get it done. It was that simple. And so we got eight foot tables from Nordstrom, excuse me, from the rental place. 170 shoe boxes from Nordstrom, and we hand sorted the half a million game cards in six days. Now, it's it would be like to put in perspective, uh, 9,580. I've done the math. Packs of playing cards. Your stupid little brother or sibling takes those cards, opens them up, packs, dumps them in the middle of the room, mixes them all up, and runs away. Your job. Your job is to put it back in the packages. That was our task. That's wow. What we do. Yeah. We got it done. But the upside, right? So the expression, it's happening for you, not to you. So mm-hmm. I want to be clear. We were in the moment. At first, I was pissed. But as the job started going on, I got to know my partners better. Mm-hmm. We had conversations. We were just kind of communicating. We learned about each other. And by the time we were done, we knew we knew that we could overcome any obstacle. So this, this moment of just being pissed about what had happened to me was like I was thinking, the guy's probably sitting in his office. How can I screw with Rob today? Oh, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll goof up his card production. Well, of course he wasn't doing that. Of course he wasn't doing that. But it got us to a point where we knew we could overcome any obstacle, and that was the upside. And in the moment... We kind of looked at each other and went, yeah, this was a good thing. So when those obstacles happen, when those things that aren't going as you planned or you expected or you hoped, it's okay. Get past that initial, oh, crap moment and then realize what the lesson really is. What is somebody or something or the universe trying to show you? Because in that moment, that's when that job does not become a job. It does not become hard. It does not become an overcoming an obstacle that's insurmountable. It's just another challenge to make you grow and help you be where you're supposed to be. And so what was the goal? What was the dream for those first thousand? Because I assume the dream has changed a lot over the over the time. But what was what was your driving force in the beginning? Well, to sell those thousand games, right? <laughs> I mean, practical. there's practical matters to business. Uh, what I was trying to do was scale the fun of Pictionary. That's what I knew my market was. It wasn't a board game. I knew we were selling fun. People were just had a ball playing this stupid game. So that's where I went, okay, I got a thousand games. How do I sell these thousand games? Well, back then, uh, all the only place you could sell a board game was or were sold with toy stores and game stores, Toys R Us, KB Toys, Spencer Gifts. I mean, all these big box stores. We didn't have access to that. So if I'm sitting there and I go, now, if I sell these three toy stores in Seattle, Washington, where I'm from, I got to sit in my butt and just wait for them to reorder. I mean, this is crazy. Then I realized we're not selling games. We're selling fun. Who sells fun? Everybody. So I went to department stores, right? That's really common now, but we started that business. Went to Nordstrom. Shock. We went to furniture, furniture stores, department stores, uh, knickknack stores, pharmacies. One of my first sales was to a real estate company. I mean, they don't sell games, right? We're selling fun. We're not selling a game. 
So I walked into the real estate company. Go, hey, you just take six games. And the guy's looking at me like, you're nuts. Well, I may be nuts, but that's not the point here. Uh, and so I said, look, family game. People come into the house. They see a board game on top of the counter. If family values, they're going to enjoy it. He goes, son of a gun, I'll take six. <laughs> so that was one of my first weird sales. Nice. But just that switch in perception, right? The idea that for you, you were selling fun and not selling a game. It changes it changes everything. It changes how you pursue what you're doing. And then, of course, it sounds like you guys even made the process fun in the midst of frustrations, in the midst of hard work. You found ways to, hey, we're selling fun. Let's make it fun. So you're actually putting fun into the box while you're while you're making them. And, and I yep. think that that shows in in obviously its resiliency as a as a game and influence in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Right. For me, people fear the unknown. Right. It's not fearing the unknown. It's not wanting to give up what is comfortable and common. Mm. It's not looking forward. It's just I want to stay in my little hobble. I want to I want to stay right here. There's a Japanese philosopher and I cannot give you his name. So I stole that. But it's absolutely true. And so for me, for me, the unknown is kind of fun. I'd wake up in the morning at 25, I'm 20, all of 26 years old. I'm going, well, what's going to go on today? Who am I going to sell today? Where am I going? To me, that was a blast. The not knowing is where my creativity came from. Nice. I like it. So you talk about the mindset change that leads to the change in perception of what, what's possible, right? What you can achieve. Yeah. Do you share a little bit about that switch in mindset? Well, I'll tell you a story about mindset change. So when I decided to work on the game, I had to break it down because I, I had the idea for two and a half years at 22. I didn't start working on it till almost 25 because I got inside my head that I was a waiter. How many times have you, you know, told yourself, we all tell ourselves stories. We all tell ourselves who we are. We all put ourselves in a box. And that's what I had done. I had told myself I was a waiter. As much as I wanted this game and to try it, right? I, I kept talking about it for freaking two and a half years, but I couldn't get started. So uh, the story I told was, I'm a waiter. I don't have the skills, no money, no mm -hmm. idea what I'm doing. I can't do it. Okay, well, common story for most people who don't start a business. But just this overriding Fear of what if finally took hold. What if I didn't do this and somebody else did? And so I broke it down and the word list was the simplest thing. So I decided I was going to make a word list. Pretty simple. And not over, didn't overthink the word list because pad of paper, dictionary, and a pad of paper, dictionary, and a, pad of, and a pen. Common stuff, right? It was sitting right in front of me. I didn't even have to overthink that. <laughs> Went in the backyard. And I open up the dictionary and I look and then two and a half years, it took me to open that dictionary and I look and I see the first word, aardvark. I wrote down the word aardvark. I'm still a waiter in my head, by the way, but I write down the word aardvark. Holy shit. Second word, 30 seconds. Abacus. Took me two and a half years. So now all of a sudden I'm gaining momentum. The slope is getting a little steeper. I'm starting to convince myself you know, I wrote another word, then the next word, the next word. Now maybe I'm not a waiter anymore. Maybe I am a game inventor. No, I'm a waiter. And then I wrote another. So by the time I was done, my mindset had changed from being a waiter to being a game inventor. It took about three months, hmm. 5,016 words, right? I didn't have this, the brain power to go, I'm a waiter. No, I'm a game inventor. But by repetition of writing word after word after word for three months, I was a game inventor and that changed everything. That changed my perception. That changed how I perceived the game and my role in it. And so it was. It was. Um, it was a. Uh, it was a learning experience, but it changed everything. That that change of perception of who I was, taking myself out of the box that I and the story I'd kept telling myself. So. Well, I love that identity shift. That shift that happens through repetition. The way we program our subconscious mind is is repetition, right? Repetition of of our beliefs or the story we tell ourselves. And most people are telling themselves that same story you started with. 
I'm just a waiter. Right. <laughs> I, I can't do this. It won't work. And, and, and when you start just doing, even the repetition of doing, reprograms that subconscious. So I love now that you're looking back that you recognize the repetition and wait, all of a sudden your brain says, oh, maybe I am a game inventor. Maybe I got something here. You know, I got to play out the string. It's it's like we all waking up every day and put on running shoes. Eventually your brain says, well, maybe we should go for a run. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I really, really, really like that you've dug into that. And obviously there's a lot of times where, where you've pushed through and you've you've persevered. Um where most people would quit <laughs> or the average person would quit. Um, what, what kept, what kept you going? Love. Mm. Yeah. So, so, uh, anyway, uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm having fun, Robert, with the, with the video here. I see that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm taking this, I take this very seriously, but lighten up folks. I mean, you know, <laughs> Life does, you know, my life, your life does not spend on this interview, but I love sharing. I love telling. I love, you know, you know, uh, not promoting. I love inspiring people. So, you know, I'm a little goofy as well. What was the question? <laughs> you were talking about, I, I asked you about what kept you going, what kept you pushing oh, through. Yeah, you yeah. started with love. I started with love, right? So they tell you, find your passion. We talked about that a little bit, but what had happened was I didn't have passion for Pictionary until a little ways in. Making the word list did not give me passion. It doesn't sound too exciting. No, it was like, okay, it was an accomplishment. I felt good about myself, but, but I wasn't like, oh my God, I know how Pictionary works now. I'm going to do it. No. But then the next step, I did a play test. Okay, my family likes it. It's I'm starting to feel a little better here. I'm, I'm starting to enjoy this. And I did the next uh the next task and the next task. And with every completed task, I was a little more invested. I got a little more passionate about it. And that's what kept me going in the beginning, right? This passion ignites things. And for me, it took time. You may find something you're passionate about in 10 seconds. It doesn't have to take time after time. That was just my process. But what I'm trying to get across is if you're not passionate about something, but you're still curious about something, that's okay. Keep taking those steps until you find that you are that you are passionate about it and you don't have to be, but if you become passionate about it, that's igniter. That's what, that's what got me going. But then that, that passion fades, right? It does. It just does. There was days and there was mornings where I just did not want to get out of bed at 7 AM to go ship out games and then go do a demonstration. <laughs> but what had happened is it had switched from love or excuse me to pat from passion to love. I loved my game. I loved what I was doing. I loved my partners. I loved this whole process. That's what kept me going in those moments because passion is an emotional, okay, I'm going to go do it. But love is just a deeper emotion. And that's what got me through some of those dark days, what got me some of those physically, mentally, spiritually dark days. But that's that was it. So as they say, follow your passion. I say, follow your love. I love that. Obviously, you started selling, you're literally selling it door to door, business to business, yep. um, creating your own connections, right? Creating. Yep. Uh, and so let, let's talk about the power of creating those connections and, and creating a network of people that, that fell in love with, <laughs> with your game. And, and, and when did it, when did it switch from that to the next, to the next phase? Um, out of Seattle, physically out of Seattle or just mentally? Well, both. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. Well, so what I, when I said I was selling fun, really was I was selling was an experience. I was scaling collaboration. I was scaling fun. I was scaling uh, emotion. And when I could figure that out, that's when I knew I'd had something. So the story I tell is uh, I was in a restaurant. And I was uh, having dinner. I placed my order. And the waitress found out that I was the inventor of Pictionary. She starts to cry. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm going, okay. I mean, let's, let's just take it for, calm down for a minute. 
And she tells me that she was a foster child growing up and she bounced from house to house and that she never felt welcome. She never felt a part of a family. She never felt love. And she just didn't get what she wanted or needed as a young girl. Another house, she goes in with three siblings they want nothing to do with her as always. And she's starting to, to hold back and she's starting to feel depressed again and sad. But one night, mom and dad bring out Pictionary. So this young woman and the mom and dad play against the three siblings. Guess what? She can draw. She's no, she can have a good time. So all of a sudden they're kicking the butt out of these other three kids and she's coming out of her shell and she's feeling good. And all of a sudden they're noticing and all of a sudden, you know what, let's play again, but we want to be in her team. So now all of a sudden she's, she's playing, she's being accepted. And because of this silly little game that I invented, this family was formed and she got the family that she wanted. And that to me was the moment I realized Pictionary has value. Pictionary is exactly what I wanted it to be. Family, collaboration, connection. That's what it was. And that's the moment where everything switched. Wow. I mean, obviously it's powerful to, to hear, but then that becomes a, it's, it, it was never just a game for you. And so, but now it's not just a game for others and, and marketing. It matches, it matches not just the fun that you wanted. Um, love the idea of, of collaboration and connection and, and it, it's a power to bring people together. That's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, dream life planner move from tired and overwhelmed to free and empowered by Noel L. Peterson available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. <clears throat> so the first thousand you sell door-to-door, face-to-face, What's the next, what's the next phase? Uh, well, I was face to face. I was, that's what it was. I was doing demonstrations 12, 13, 14 hours a day, bottom <laughs> of the, uh, the escalator at Nordstrom, but we were pushing hard. And then, excuse me. And then people took notice and bottom line, it's a good game, right? You can sell anything once, right? Right. Selling it a second time and getting reorders and having people like it, play it buy it. That's the trick. Your product, your, your online or physical has to be good. You can't just sell crap. And so you can quote me on that, by the way. <laughs> can't just sell crap. There's, there's your lesson for today, folks. Don't sell crap. Um, <laughs> never quite said it that Unless way. Unless it's anyway. a landscaping company and then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you got to know your market. That's right, exactly. Uh, so anyway, so we were we weren't selling crap, and it it took off. And in Seattle, where we worked, we kept it local, right? We we wanted to sample the game in Seattle. We wanted to sell that first thousand games as a play test, really, find out if you know if it was any fun or was it just me drinking beer with my roommates that made it fun. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe people. That's a different know. model. That's a different version. It's a totally different version. So red, red cups included. <laughs> exactly, and so. We just put it together and uh, and it just started taking off. So by the end of 85, we launched in June. By end of 85, in Seattle, we were pretty darn popular. I mean, we, we'd earned it. We'd worked hard for it. And the other big game companies started taking notice. And so Milton Bradley and Worlds of Wonder and University Games all said, hey, you guys want a license? Well, we knew we had to. So licensing basically was... Typical startup, you know, we we run out of capital, but back then there wasn't a VC on every street corner. You had to go to a bank. Right. Right? Yeah. Can you imagine a bank saying, yeah, sure, we'll loan you $2 million based on your silly little board game. You're still out of your 975 square foot apartment. Yeah, no, they weren't going to do that. So we had to license to a bigger company that would do the manufacturing, distribution, marketing, and sales. They'd pay for that. And they'd give us a royalty. They'd just give us a percent 
of each game sold. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds lovely. So we, uh, we took a couple of meetings. And one of the biggest lessons I ever got that I like to share with inventors and creators and entrepreneurs is that we took a meeting with Worlds of Wonder, Teddy Ruxpin and Laser Tag guys, who, you know, they fall off their sins out of business because because they didn't follow their own advice. Hmm. They didn't, you know, and I have no joy in that because people's jobs were affected. However, the advice that they gave us was, look, do you want a game company or do you want to make money? I'm going trick question. <laughs> I want a game company because then I'll make money. He goes, wrong answer, Mr. Angel. I'm going, crap. What did I do wrong here? So it's not his, his advice was it's not what you make. It's what you keep. Hmm. So I'm, I'm pondering that. And he, I go, explain that to me. And he laid it out pretty simply. We'll pay for everything. We'll pay your royalty, but you don't have overhead. You don't have employees. You don't have all the infrastructure, the qual uh, production issues. We'll take care of all that. And all you do is make money. And that kind of that kind of made sense. And that's what we did. So we would take money off the table. So when you make money, take a little off the table and put it away. When you make a lot of money, take a lot off the table and put it away. That's the, the problem that we get into this trap as all of a sudden we wind up making some money, whether it's a lot of money or even a little. But you got a little plan for the future. You don't have to make a billion dollars. Just take a little. And I've done that my whole life. I made some money. I put a little away. I made some money. I put it away. It's not what you make. It's what you keep. And that's why Rob Angel gets to travel the world, do all these fun things you're talking about. If I had have taken my money when I sold the company at 20, well, then I was 43, but I was making money at 30 and tried to do another business, be a salt serial entrepreneur or invested badly, I'd be broken. I'd be working for Amazon right now. Right? Yeah. So I don't I don't lecture, but I do lecture that point to young kids and entrepreneurs. Take money off the table. Value what you're worth. And don't assume for a second you can do it again. Mm. Your, your skills may not transfer. I was a game inventor. Does that mean I could now go do something else? The answer is probably not. One of my best friends is Brian Smith, who created Uggs. Everybody in the world knows Ugg boots, right? And sold his company, made a bunch of money. Guess what his second job business was? Cement. <laughs> now, he's going from Ugg boots to cement. Guess what? He started that business with all his money in 2008. Ouch. Yeah, exactly, right? He went broke. The guy who created Uggs went broke, and he had to claw to get back to, to get to anywhere. The point is... Take money off the table, take care of yourself, take care of your future. Yeah, entrepreneurs need to learn those three things, right? How to make money the first place, right? Invent a game, make money, how to keep money, how to, you know, save it, use it, and uh, and keep a portion for yourself, and then how to protect money to keep it away from the people that try to take it away from you. Absolutely. My, you know, I'm really good at saying no. Saying yes is easy. <laughs> saying no is hard, but I'm getting very good at it. Absolutely. So let's talk about that instinct for, for knowing when to say yes and when to say no. <laughs> it's all instinct, brother. So how do you how do you how do you get to the place where you trust it? Oh, it's a learned thing. You just, you know, trial and error. <laughs> when you I trust myself to say no to this investment or this person or this business or this new waffle, right? It doesn't have to be dramatic. And when I know the feeling right here and it's connected to my head. My heart and my head are connected. It goes, say no, Rob. I don't trust it. I say yes. It doesn't work out. That's a lesson learned. Mm. And yeah, I've done it several times. This is not me going, I know exactly what I'm doing. But when your heart, your emotion is connected to your brain, your thinking brain, that's saying something. Pay attention to that. We all do. That's not rocket science. That isn't spiritual mumbo jumbo. That's not something that is hard to learn hard to do so do it just practice it every now and again when you just know oh, oh this is it and again do it in the small things you know just going to a new restaurant i don't know making stuff up but when they're connected 
see how it turns out. If you say yes and you know it's a yes and it feels like it, probably turned out okay. Just trust yourself. I like it. It's pretty important. So let's talk a little bit about uh, mentors. How, how mentors helped in, in your journey. Um, obviously, you talked about the, the guy from Worlds of Wonder telling you to focus on what you can keep. And so that's that's a mentor you know opportunity there. Perfect. What are the ways that mentors helped? Well, to me, a mentor is basically why reinvent the wheel? It's like we started to get when we started the game, there was an older gentleman who was in the game business and he became our mentor. Hmm. But we listened to him. He was telling us how to short circuit problems. He was teaching us how to short circuit things that we didn't need to rabbit holes we didn't need to go into. So having a mentor is key. And it's not just for business. I have spiritual mentors. I have physical mentors. But here's the key, guys and girls, girls and guys, sorry, people, is you got to listen to them. And you've got to do what they say. So many times I have mentored somebody and about the game business. I want to help. They lecture me for 30 minutes on the game business. And at the end, thanks for your time, Rob. It was fabulous. I swear to God, that happens all the time. It's like, you're welcome. So I know, right? So uh, when, when you find somebody, and it doesn't have to be an organized mentor. It could just be a conversation, right? It doesn't have to be long and drawn out. But if somebody gives you information that kind of makes sense, follow through on it. Pay attention to it and do something about it. Hearing it's one thing. That doesn't make them a mentor, but following through, that makes that person or that bit of information a mentor. So they're key in all aspects of your life, not just business. Mm, love that. So now how is how is putting aside some things, selling the game to to Mattel in the end and and obviously your future endeavors, how has that set you up for contributing and, and giving back? Well, that, you know, can, they call it what, being of service now. It used to be giving back. I just like giving back better. It's like I was, I received something. I'm not being of, I'd be of service. I received a gift of Pictionary. I received a gift of millions and billions of people liking Pictionary. That's a gift to me. That isn't, that is earned, but that nobody owes me anything. Nobody owed me that. They just did. So giving back is important. Acknowledging that it's not even a debt. Just acknowledging that. And so I'm constantly looking. I won't lie, right? Some days are better than others. Some days I'm not giving back and I feel a little, I'm not going to use the word guilty. I just feel I should, I always feel like I could be doing more, but helping inventor other uh, creatives and inventors. Talking, you know, even doing this to me is giving back and helping other people find their passion, finding their love is what I enjoy doing. Nice. But you also are, are a philanthropist, right? Which is a professional giver. Right. I mean, I, I just went through this a couple of days ago. Some friends of mine were doing something and I did not want to physically get involved, but I gave them money, right? It takes two things. Every philanthropic philanthropic endeavor takes somebody to do the work, but they, it takes money. And so when I'm not physically going to go out and do the work, I'll give them money. And that's the joy Honestly, because as I've always said to my friends, if it's important to you, it's important to me. Nice. Right? Because I'm not going to get involved with every charity and every philanthropic. But but if I can contribute what I can contribute, and right now that's giving money, if I had time, I would be giving time. So don't feel that you're, you're not doing your job or you're not helping out. And that could be as simple as helping them with a marketing plan or making a website for somebody. So there's thousands of ways to give back. It doesn't always have to be, it could be small and it could be big and every little bit that you do matters and counts and is important. Mm, love that. So let's talk about the power of gratitude. Okay. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to talk about the power of gratitude? Well, just in, in, in your mindset, obviously you're, you're grateful for the gift of Pictionary and, and I think you fell in love with it and, and you honored that receiving that. And, yeah. and I think, I think your attitude in that is what's helped it be successful because it was pure. It was, it was love. It was fun. And, and I think there's, there's a lot to be said for your motives in that. And so I, I just feel like 
that attitude had to have driven you and helped you. <laughs> yeah, of course it, it did. And I'm, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass. I'm not grateful every day. <laughs> I just get in my own head and I'm having a bad day or I'm having a good day. Uh, they say, you know, wake up and be grateful every day. You should, but I'm just full disclosure. I don't every day. However, gratitude drives the bus. It's an appreciation for what you've accomplished. It's appreciation for others that have helped you get to what you have accomplished. Nobody, nobody does this alone, right? And acknowledging and helping and, and being grateful for the big things and the little things, right? It puts everything in, it puts everything in perspective. It kind of lets you know how small, you know, you really are, how small I really am compared to the universe, compared to what everything else that's going on around me is. I invented a game, but it's just a freaking game. It changed lives, sure. But I am grateful every day for what it's given me and what I can give back. And it and it it grounds me. It gives me comfort. Um, yeah, it's 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 very very powerful. Uh, nice. Yeah. So now you're now you've written the story. You've written you've written a book and and telling the story. What, what's been the impact of, of being a game inventor and an author? <laughs> well, it, it gets me to do this. I mean, you know, you write a book and everybody thinks you're, you know, a rock star. <laughs> uh, doesn't take much, by the way. Any, anybody listening to this, you can write a book. You really can. But what the book did for me personally is we kind of go through our lives and we're just in it. Right. We're overcoming obstacles every day. We're growing every day. We're learning every day. And with Pictionary, it was no different. All these things were just something I was doing in the moment. And I loved it. And I was passionate about it. But it was just things that I was uh, a thing that I did. And it was bringing joy to the world. And that brought me joy. But over time, you just kind of I just kind of forgot about what I had accomplished. Right. I guess maybe in the vernacular here, I'd lost my gratitude. So hmm. when I wrote the book, I started really going back and understanding what we had accomplished. And I say we, my two partners and I, what we'd accomplished. So the book was originally just written so my, my son and my daughter would know what daddy did huh. after the fact. But then I started getting into it. So the book really was an exercise in remembering the impact that Pictionary had remembering the impact that I had and my role in it, my small role, but my role in it. And so the book um, really brought that out and I'm really grateful, really appreciative of it. And just talking to who's ever listening and watching right now, uh, that's, that's my giving back right now. The book gave me that opportunity to get out, to be visible, to share my story, to share my, my ups, my downs and everything in between. Oh, love that. So, Obviously, you may not have identified yourself as an entrepreneur through those early years, a game inventor, but but you really were an entrepreneur building your business. And so what, what was the blessing of, of being a dad, raising a family <laughs> oh. as, as an entrepreneur? Oh, I mean, that's really, for me, that's really all there is. <laughs> you know, Pictionary is not my legacy. My children are my legacy, <laughs> right? And so... I had more, you know, as I always say, I had more fun hanging out with them than I did with adults without question. So, no, that's my biggest blessing. Um, you know, and, and whether it's children, it was things that took me away from the 24-7 of Pictionary. I think the one thing that people don't know or remember as an entrepreneur, we've got to take care of ourselves mentally, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. And whenever I would get... Um, overwhelmed whenever I would, wouldn't take a break, whenever I wouldn't take care of myself, I would have anxiety. And I actually took in the it's in the book. I took a six month leave of absence from Pictionary because it was too overwhelming because I wasn't taking care of myself. So I call it putting myself in timeout. So when you're just overwhelmed or even when you're feeling good, take a little time for yourself. Don't immersed 24 seven, you still got to have a life. You still, you know, you still have to go do things because guess what? If you take an hour off from the business, it'll be there when you get back, it'll be okay. So put yourself in timeout 
whatever that looks like. And it could be even watching television. It doesn't have to be dramatic. You don't have to go be a meditator, but always take time for yourself and your needs and your business will be more successful. You'll make more money. You'll have a bigger influence, but it all starts with you. Mm, so good. So obviously self-care is, is super valuable and appreciate you throwing that in there. Let's talk about your, your kids and, and the importance of play and fun with them. Um, well, like I said, I have more fun with them. Huh? I mean, they just keep me when well, they were younger. They're a little older now. But during the Pictionary, uh, after the Pictionary years, they just kept me engaged. They kept me learning and growing. They, you know, I'd have to create new games. I'd have to create new fun with them. And that was an absolute blast. So they kept me, uh, you know, cliche of all cliches. They kept me young and they kept me engaged and they kept me uh, creative. <laughs> Love that. So obviously lots of adventures, but what's your, what was your favorite adventure or the favorite <laughs> thing you haven't done yet? Maybe that you want to do. You know, I get asked that a lot. I tend to not answer that question. Cause I just put pressure on myself. <laughs> I, I tend to, uh, not, I tend to, I, uh, live what I call life of open. So I'm always, that's how Pictionary got started in the first place. I just kind of, you know, go through life, you know, like this bumping into shit all the time. I get bloody and bruised. Somebody says, let's go try. And I go, sure. So I'm just open to trying new things. So uh, there's there's a few things I want to do. Uh, most of them physical. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. I'm kind of done doing bucket list stuff. Now I'm more into how can I give back? How can I be of service? All those kind of things. But I'm having a great life. This is a uh, this is not an oh, what was me. Yeah. So Open for you is is part of your motto, but but it's also an acronym. Would right. You share share the acronym and tell us wh what that means to you. Yeah, open is uh, opportunity, uh, potential, energy, and now. So the life is filled with opportunities, big and small. Right. This is kind of my sales pitch a little bit, right? But it's true, big and small. Right. They're not all Shark Tank moments. It's just kind of, you know, finding a new restaurant or going. Hiking the Himalayas, doing whatever, big and small, both, but not saying no to those those uh, opportunities limits your potential. When you say yes, you've got more potential now. You've got more things, more ideas, more whether it's business or just fun coming into your way. And then when you get to the energy part of it, opens energy. You'll know if you want to do it again. You'll know how you feel. Like we talked about, head and your heart. You'll know if you want to put your energy to exploring, to experimenting, to see what it is, uh, if it's anything, quite frankly. But then the end is now, it's just jumping. It's just jumping. Um, Steve Harvey has this thing. He gets to the cliff and he jumps off. He builds his wings on the way down. I've always liked that. So yeah. just jump. May not go anywhere. It may not be a thing, but it may be a life changer. So you've just got to take those, those shots. So what inspires you, Rob? <laughs> you want the truth? I'm looking for my next inspiration. Love it. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm having, I'm, I'm, I've been very, uh, oh man, I've been having a ball. And now a little later in life. So yeah, I'm looking for my new inspiration and I'm excited about it. Right. So, so I, I love this. I love talking. I love sharing my story. Hopefully I'm inspiring. Hopefully, uh, you know, you're motivated, who's ever listening, to go try something new, whether it's within your business or starting a new business or just, you know, going out and trying a new kind of ice cream. I don't freaking know. But um, yeah, so it's kind of fun right now. I'm back to, you know, being 22 years old again, trying to find my next my next passion. Love it. I think that's fantastic. All right. So you've just had coffee with a young entrepreneur for the last 45 minutes and you want to leave them with Rob's words of wisdom. What would you share? You know, you brought it up. Have freaking fun. Enjoy the journey. It's nothing's life and death. I make stuff life and death, and it's not. <laughs> it's not, right? The world's not conspiring to, to, to be against you. Just enjoy the journey because when it's all said and done, it's the journey. It's the memories, not the things you've you've built and not even Pictionary. It's the memories, the, the collaborations, the friendships that you're going to create. Those, that is the, is the fun. So enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride, have fun. 
I'll say that again, have fun. And then for the young entrepreneur, I would say back to the original thing we talked about, follow your heart, follow your intuition. It generally knows, right? People ask me, what advice would I give my younger self? For me, it's, I would say no more often. Growing up, I mean, it worked out, but I wasted a lot of time on stuff that did not serve me because I didn't say no, even though, you know, staying out a little later or starting a business or investing in a business or creating a new friendship with somebody, all those things, big and small, say no more often things that don't serve you. And all that does, it just opens you up to things that do, right? It opens you up to things that are going to help you be better, faster, stronger, all those different things. So just say no a little more often. I like it. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate the conversation and I'm certainly inspired. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, they all follow me on social media, the Rob Angel and all the different ones and the books. The book's really good. I'm really proud of it. Game changer. Uh, it tells a story really well. It's a narrative, so it's not a how to, but it's here's what we did and the, the emotions of what happened when we went through them and we were going through the uh, emotions. So I'm happy with it. I'm proud of it. And all those links will be in the description so you can find those and find Rob and, and connect with him. There you go. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Aaron Chapman and Robert discuss working the volatile mortgage industry successfully through 2008 and 2013 and how being a man of his word has led to great success. The biggest transition came when he decided to be authentic and committed to being true to himself and not what the so-called industry pundits said you had to do, look like or act like. We also talk about the Quit Jerking Off initiative and how he's helping men stop wasting their time and focus on what really matters.